We are continuing still on the book of James. We did part 9 last month where we are talking about growing up, don't give up. That's the, the topic that we are doing. Growing up, don't give up. And you are looking on the screen and you must be related, thinking why is that there? Which could that be? And maybe the sisters must be thinking, why did he take sister's face, an old person, and for the brother, a young boy? You might be thinking like that. And the wife must be nudging the husband. Can you imagine? See that. The thing title for today's message that I've taken, today's title will be, How to Face Your Future. If you look earlier when pastor was reading, he read from the book, from the book of Psalms 63, and we've seen the worship taking place where the song was, You are my firm foundation. It was talking about future. When the prayer was taking place, we found the future. We find that God is in, is in total control of the service right from the beginning until the end. And He will never stop. Amen? God will never stop. Let's turn our Bibles to James chapter 4. We'll be reading from verse 13 to verse 17, James chapter 4. We'll be studying this scripture today. If there's anybody who's sitting beside you and doesn't have a Bible, please, I request somebody to go beside that person and share the word with that person. Whoever you're sitting beside, please, share the word with the person by your right or by your left. Are you there now? James 4 verse 13 Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, listen who say, today or tomorrow we will go. Let us bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. Lord, I worship you. I worship you. Lord, I worship you. I worship you, for your name is holy, holy Lord. Oh 
Today will be a day of change, a day of transformation, a day of awakening, a day of turning around, a day of dedication, a day of commitment, Lord God. A day, Lord God, that we will put our hope and our faith in you because you hold our future, Daddy. Father, very specially we pray for the mission fields all over the world and every missionary who is there toiling day and night. Every child of yours who is there in the battleground facing danger morning, noon and night. We pray for your fire to be around them. We pray for your anointing to go before them to make every crooked path straight. We pray that every soul that they speak, Lord God, will be added into the kingdom. We pray for every soul that they pray for who is sick, that healing will be their portion in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for signs and wonders to follow them, Lord God, wherever they go. And all for the glory of your name. Father, everyone who comes against them, I pray that there will be a turning around for every soul to become a Paul, their daddy, for the glory of your name. Today, I pray that you will anoint the word that you have, daddy, for this congregation. We receive it in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. This afternoon, we are going to see about what James has to say in the book of James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, how to face your future. People have become so obsessed with future. Especially in the Asian countries. We always want to know what's going to happen tomorrow morning. We always want to know what's going to happen next week. We are so interested about next month. We are more interested about next year. And some of us, in this excitement, we go to fortune tellers. And we sit down, can you tell us what's going to happen? Which cat is going to come in front of me? Which dog is going to come behind me? We are so interested to know about the future. That's what we are so much looking upon, waiting to see what the future holds for us. Many attend conferences, seminars, on planning and goal setting. We are so much interested. Even believers nowadays wait for a visiting preacher to come from one of the Asian countries and say, what is that the, that the Lord has for me? He thinks that he is a fortune teller. And they go waiting for this man. And this man knows how foolish this person is. And they will tell them whatever they want to hear. We are so much interested about Tell me what's the future. So the question is, what is the Christian viewpoint towards the future? First question, what is the Christian viewpoint about the future? How am I to relate towards what is going to happen? 
how am I going to relate to what's going to happen or what should be my reaction to whatever is going to take, my, to take place. James in this passage talks about, uh, about a Christian, how he should face his future and James gives us three mistakes that we commonly make. Three mistakes. And he said, be aware that when you're planning your future, that you will not fall into these three areas. James gives us a warning. He says, go ahead and make your plans. No problem. But be careful. You don't fall into these three areas. And that's what we're going to look at. He illustrates the first area James talks about. He says, he talks about a typical conversation between two people. Maybe James was in their presence. I don't know. He overheard it. I don't know. He heard it from somewhere. I don't know. Or whether the Lord revealed it to him. But James says, there's a conversation taking place between two people. And they are having a discussion. And James says, let's turn to verse 13. Verse 13, the Bible says, we are going to read their conversation. Now listen. You who say, number one, today or tomorrow, first thing, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. I'm reading from NIV. You seen that? What's wrong with this? Look at that statement and do you see anything wrong with this? People need to make plans. The Bible says that it's good to make plans. These are two business people. They are called go-getters. They see something, they go for it and they get it. There is a big detail in this plan between these two men. So now let us look at this master plan in detail. We will go a little more closer and we will look at it in detail. Number one is when. Can I have the slide on brother? When. That means they say when. Today or tomorrow. That's the first thing. Next, next point brother. Today or tomorrow is when. Number two. Wait brother. Where. The second one is where. This or that city. Number three. How long we will spend a year there. Fourth, for what? To carry on business. That's the scripture that we have just... I'm breaking down the scripture into four points for you. Why? Make money. See the four points that we see in the scripture of verse 13. Now, what is wrong with this in your natural mind if you see this? Is there anything wrong? The Bible does not condemn making plans. In fact, the Bible is full about making plans. The Bible promotes making plans. The Bible says a man must always plan things. So, we see, number one, we see his purpose. The purpose we see there. We see the place there in this plan. And we also see the progress. We see three areas. So, these two guys got everything covered as to what they want to do. Everything is covered up. Nothing wrong in it. So what is wrong with this plan? Let us see. Number one, what James is saying, that what is wrong with this. The number one point is, James says, the first common mistake. Next slide. The first common mistake is planning our lives without God. 
The first mistake in this master plan that we see is planning your lives without God. There's a lot of, if you see, there's not one single mention of God in that entire plan or that conversation that these two business people were having. They knew what they wanted, number one. They knew how to get there. They knew how to get there. But they didn't check with God if that's what he wanted them to do. Now, don't misunderstand. The Bible does not talk about, doesn't talk about not planning. Let us turn to Luke chapter 14, verse 28, and see what the Bible says. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. It says, No man goes out and builds a house without first considering how much it's going to cost. See, the Bible encourages us to plan. And all the book of Proverbs, throughout, if you read Proverbs, you'll find over and over and over again, it says, a person who doesn't plan is a fool. If you don't plan, you are a fool. It's wise for a man to plan, the Bible says. So, here we see a great dream. They have the goal set, but as long as you have that dream and that goal, you have to include God in it. Amen? You've got to in include prayer in it. If you don't include God, you don't include prayer, your plans could fall. You might say, Brother Claudie, I believe in God. Does he have a say in everything that I do? In everything I think, does God have a say? I say, yes, don't plan. It's a form of arrogance when you don't have God in that plan. So what's the solution to this? What's the solution? Yes, Brother Claudie, you told us all this. What's the solution? It's very simple. Include God in your plan. Simple things, but we do not like simple things. We do not like simple things. Verse 15. Let us quickly turn to verse 15. Instead, the Bible says, you ought to say, if you have that word, if, underline that, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If you have the word if, underline it. Have you realized the best laid plan by any man could fail? No matter you have all the, all the edges covered, all the corners covered, every financial deal set, but it could fail. The starting point in facing your future is, God, what is it that you want me to do? The first thing you need to ask, God, what is it that you want me to do? The second thing you must ask, God, what is it that you don't want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? And God, what is it that you don't want me to do? James says, the whole attitude of life, that it should be, God, all this is up to you. All this is up to you. Let us quickly turn to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. Please turn to your Bibles. To Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. Are you there? The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Amen. I have a different scripture. I say, I think I grow, we may make our plans, 
but God as the last word. You seen that? You can switch on to NIV, brother. I'm taking all from NIV. You can make all the plans you have. So if I am to compile this, I say, man proposes and God disposes. Simple, very simple. Proverbs 16, verse 9. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 9. It says, In their hearts, humans plan their course. But, we the, should, Lord, mm-hmm. but the Lord establishes their steps. Okay, it says, We should make plans, counting on God to direct us. See, you make your plans, but you have to wait for God to direct your plans. So God has to be involved in it. Don't pray I want you to stop praying this prayer. God, I made my plans. Now can you come and bless it? I made my plans. I'm going to be a missionary. Now come and bless me. God says, I never called you to go to be a missionary. I didn't call you for that. You go get beaten up there and you say, God, you sent me here. He said, who asked you to go? Somebody, yes, somebody came and spoke. But I didn't call you. I called him. I didn't call you. We say... God, all my plans are set to go to college. I have to do this, this, this. Can you come and bless it? God says, I never asked you that. I've spoken through your parents. I've spoken through situations. I've spoken through the word. You need to do this, this, this. I'm not going to bless when you want to do that. I will bless you when you want to do what I've asked you to do. Planning without God is the first mistake you overcome it by including God in your goal setting. You include God. Whether it's your goal setting for yourself, for your children, for your future plans. God has to be in that plan. Don't run simply aimlessly because somebody said something, I will also run behind them. And then you get drowned and you wonder why I am getting drowned. My second point is, The second one, second mistake we is presuming about tomorrow. The other word, I want to give a harsh word for that, is being arrogant about tomorrow. Many of us are very arrogant in our ways. Taking it for granted, assuming that I'm going to live forever, I've got the rest of my life set. Look at verse 14 and 16 of the scriptures that we are reading. Verse 14 and 16. Why? Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. See that? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? Mm -hmm. You are a mist that appears for a little while Mm -hmm. and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you Mm. boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. All such boasting. You see that word? God says you boast because you think that you can do it. Because of your education. Because of your strength. Because of your youth. Because of who you know so and so, so and so, so and so. You know all this. He says those boasting, my friend, is evil. Can you imagine that? You are planning your future. And when God is not in it, he says that is evil. There's a couple of reasons we shouldn't assume the future. Number one, life is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. You don't even know. None of us know what's going to happen tonight. None of us who are sitting here, we know. A walk dries up any second. 
You remember the day when Iraq invaded Kuwait? None of us knew the previous night that they are invading Kuwait. The economic could turn all around. So many people commit suicide. In the night they go put their money in the bank. Next day, the economy is changed. And they run and they commit suicide. None of us know what is tomorrow. Now, this shouldn't frighten you. I don't want you to get frightened over what I'm saying. Don't worry and don't be afraid. We should learn to trust in God. Who knows our future. Amen. We should learn to depend upon Him who will carry us through the entire journey. Amen. My second point is that is life is brief. Verse 14, it says, look at verse 14. It says you are a mist. In Greek, the Greek word for mist is atmos, where we get the word atmosphere. Your life, I'll give you some examples of what your life is. Stop yawning in Jesus' name. Your life is like a fog. Amen. Your life is like a fog. I'm teaching you very deep secrets today. If the enemy puts you to sleep, and when the day of tempting comes, I pray that you will not fall in Jesus' name. I'm preparing you for the battle. We are not giving you a message that after you fall, we are preparing you that when that day comes, you will stand your ground in Jesus' name. Amen? The Bible says that you are like fog. I don't know if you have gone to another person's yawning. My, oh. Every time I see someone yawning, I'm going to repeat it from the pulpit. Go to bed early, please. A fog comes in the morning and by afternoon. If you've been to hill countries, you will be able to see this mist. Beautiful. And as you're watching it, the mist just disappears. The Bible says we are like that. We are in the morning, but in the afternoon, you can't be found. They will look for you. You cannot be found. How does the Bible describe our life? There are phrases that I took from the Bible. It says, you are like a leaf. You are like grass. Look at that. How God has described us. Then You are like a shadow. You are like a cloud. You are like a puff of smoke. And you are like vapor. When I was preparing this message, I was looking out of my window and I looked at a big boulder. My house is exactly this mountain is there. And I was looking at this massive boulder and I said, Lord, that boulder doesn't have life, will outlive me on this earth. No life. The building that I build will outlive me in this earth. I'm not talking about future. Okay, don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about here. Even all these things. And we are giving so much of importance to this body of ours. Every two days, going to the, to the beautician. I got one crooked mark here. Can you make it a little straight? One what has come here. Can, I will, I've been telling my wife I need to remove this. It's hurting my eyes. I can't see because every time I see, I can see my what. We are so interested about this body. We are so much interested. But God says, your life is gone. Let us quickly turn to Isaiah 56, verse 12. Isaiah 56. Come ye, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drinks. 
tomorrow shall be as this day and much more abundant do you know anybody in this attitude i know people i come from a family of background who had this attitude i had a brother in law who had to get up in the morning and unless before getting out of the bed he has to have a drink only then he will get out of his bed he could not do that otherwise and have you known people who had this attitude life is great come on bring you bring the whiskey they will they will make coordination beautiful coordination you bring the whiskey you bring the ice you bring the soda okay you bring the mat that we could put on the ground and you bring the cards everything is set for today does it make sense does it relate to you know you might be laughing maybe we all were there once upon a time when we were on the other side and then when it's over you do not know where you who's carrying you and going home you tell that person you come and leave me in the house and when you go and leave me you say no you take me back and you leave me there <laughs> last the wife will come with a broom or with a stick get back you come into my husband and you come again you see what i will do to you and next day you go and you start the same old story over again because you will take one piece of chicken and go to their house they will welcome you <laughs> proverbs 27 verse 1 27 verse 1 do not boast about tomorrow look at that what the bible is saying don't boast about tomorrow for you do not know what the day may bring we love to announce our plans but i know there are many people who never announce their plans we love to announce our plans we like to announce our goals announcing our plans could either be two ways number one it could be a statement of faith that you are announcing it because you have faith that god is going to do it or announcing your plan could also be a statement of arrogance because you're depending upon yourself so the question is what is our motive when we announce something what is our motive behind everything that we do so now i've told you everything what is the solution to this let us look at matthew chapter 6 verse 34 and we will look at the solution for this matthew 6:34 the bible says do not fill in the blanks do not be anxious about tomorrow god who cares for tomorrow to live one day at a time i would like to sing that song if you know it join with me we could sing that chorus and we can say lord i want to live one day at a time do you know it one day at a time sweet jesus that's all i'm asking of you just give me the strength to do every day what i have to do yesterday's gone sweet jesus and tomorrow may never be mine lord help me today show me the way one day at a time do you remember do you remember when you walked along men well jesus you know if you're looking below it's worth now and then pushing and stealing 
Violent surprise. So for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. That should be our prayer every day. God, give me grace to take one step at a time. Give me grace not to jump hundred steps when I am in the position of taking one step. But I want you to walk with me each step that I take. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And what he will do? He will direct your path. We do not want to acknowledge God in everything we do. And then we expect God to direct our path. Because we are going in a crooked path and we tell God, can you go in that path? He says, I am walking in the straight path, but you have left the path long time back. See, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Amen. Psalm 35, verse 15. Psalm 35, verse 15. It says, Lord... My days are in your hands. Can you tell your neighbor, your days are in God's hands? And tell him, your days are in God's hands also. Amen. My third point. My third point. The third common mistake James is talking is putting off doing good. Putting off doing good. Next point, my brother. Verse 17. Anyone, then, who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, since you look at that, you know you have to do something and you don't do it, you sin. James is talking about postponing procrastination. You put it off for some other time. You intend to do it now, but you say for some given reason, you will do it later. We love all of us. We love to do things later. I've been talking about this in my study, experiencing God's class. And I've been telling this and experiencing God's class every time I see it over and over and over and over happening. Will you do all these lessons and come? No, no, no. We won't do it now. We will do it tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes. And it's in all the classes. You're having a Bible study. The sheets that are given to you, what are we using it for? To eat, you know, the small patanis? You know the small nuts? What are you using it for? How many of us strongly say, I take the sheet, I go home and I meditate upon the sheet to see what God has told me. Maybe at some given time during the study, I, I missed it. We don't. We don't. I want to give you some examples. Your tire needs to be changed. God has spoken. God has spoken. Okay, when God speaks, sometimes when He speaks once, it echoes many times to us. And I'm going to show you how it's going to echo. You hear twice. Or you hear it many times. The manual says the tire has to be changed at some cars 70,000, some cars 50,000. You go for a service, they say, you need to change your tires. You'll say, don't worry, I will do it later. I'm very in a rush, I have to go for work, I got a business meeting. Don't worry, just do the oil change, we'll look at the tires later. Then comes, your brakes needs to be changed, sir. Can you do, look into your brakes? Don't worry about that, I will look into it later. Because we don't want to spend 34 rials, we want to spend 5 rials. 
So we can go to Vadikabir back, you know, and do it for five riyals, ten riyals. We say, don't touch the brakes now, I will do it later. Your engine light keeps blinking continuously. God's telling you, the engine is talking to you. Stop sleeping in Jesus' name. Not the engine is going to stop, okay? The engine is blinking and is telling you, listen, can you take care of me? Can you take care of me? I need help. I need help. And you say, let it be. I will do it later. Then you go and you share this with one of your brothers and say, I don't know why my engine light is on. Maybe if that brother will say, you are dumb enough not to listen. You don't want to listen. Then you say, I will do it later. Your exams are coming up. And you say, I will study later. Now I have to meet so-and-so, I have to do so-and-so, I have to see this, I have to do this. I will study at the last minute, no problem, I can catch up. God has given me wisdom, I have the wisdom of Solomon, no problem, later I will study. You go to the doctor's office, you see Pastor Leslie there, and Pastor Leslie tells you, brother, I think you need to cut out on your diet a little bit, stop with your sweets. And then Pastor Leslie gives you an example, he says, if you want to eat sweets just like me, I ask the doctor what level of sweet I can eat. Can you imagine the audacity? He's telling not to eat and I'm asking how much can I eat? He says the size of your thumb. And then the wife says, doctor said so much, but you say, can I have a little more please? You tell your wife, she'll go to the kitchen, immediately take one more piece quietly and run away. I want to show you the results. Your car suddenly breaks down. And then you say, God, why my car? Didn't I go to church? Didn't I put my tights today? Am I not in the leadership? Why my car has to break? And God says, I have spoken. You have heard it twice. You have heard it thrice. You wonder that. Then, you fail in your exams. And then you say, I came on victory night and I stood in front. Pastor Abraham laid. I felt anointing flow. That anointing is to wake you up. And you think anointing is to flow. Why I failed? Time and over again you have been told, study, your days of exams are coming. And you say, Papa, am I not the child of the Most High God? Yes, but you are listening to your enemy. Now, the last one, now suddenly you land up in hospital. I pray that it will not be a portion. And that we know to say Amen. But living in disobedience. All this we say Amen. Ask you to obey? No, 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 it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, Dakel, and we say, praise the Lord. You land up in hospital with all the complications. Pastor comes to visit you and says, Pastor, why me, Pastor? I have been a child of God. I have done everything that God has required. And suddenly you hear a voice, you have disobeyed from day one. You cannot claim the promises of God if you live in disobedience. Let me tell that again. You cannot claim the promises of God. And live in total disobedience. So how do we define sin? I'm coming to my point. How do we define sin? Many of us, when I ask you what is sin, what you will say? Brother, sin is murder. Definitely. Or you'll say, commit adultery. That is sin. You will say cheating. You will say lying. You will say stealing. All these are sins of commission. But there's one more type of sin, the sin of omission. Have you known that? There's a sin of commission and there's a sin of omission. 
Look at the words what the Bible says. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, sin. I can do nothing. I can do, listen to this. I can do nothing and still sin. Wow, where did that come from? I can do nothing. Nothing, but still I can sin. Because I don't allow God to deal with me, either for myself or for others. Putting off things later. One of these days, I'm going to get serious with God. I really am going to commit my life later, not now. Do you know why? My dad gave his life at the age of 30. Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30. Paul started when he was old. When all these people can start, oh, what about Moses? Moses dedicated and started to follow God when he was 40. When I come to 40, then I will become committed. Putting off things for later. You tell yourself, one of these days I will stop smoking. Time and over again it comes, even though you are a believer. You say, I will stop smoking very soon. I will stop drinking. It's just that one beer that I have when I go for parties, you know. Just that one beer. Sometimes I just smell it. I don't drink it, but I just smell it. It makes me drunk. I feel good. At least, you know, just to remember what my past was. One smell. I do that. Stealing. I just bring a little paper from the office. Two pens. That's all. I will stop stealing quick very soon. Not now. I need it now. Playing around. And being lazy. I will stop being lazy very soon. Now, let me relax. I still have time. Pastor Abraham is here 30 years. Let him go, then I will start working. Now he's still in the office. I can't get that place, the position. He's not going to give it to me also. So when he goes, I will take the place. Until then, I will sleep. We say, we put off everything for tomorrow. The solution is, do it now. Psalm 33. Some, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 37, 27 to 28, Proverbs 3, 27 and 28, the Bible says, Do not withhold good from your neighbor. Come back later, I will give it to you tomorrow. Don't do it. When you have it in your power to do it now, don't postpone it for tomorrow. Do you remember... The wise and the foolish virgins. If the wise virgins had only given oil, they would have been in trouble. The foolish virgins <laughs> thought, Master still not coming, so let us wait. Let us burn our oil with what we have. We will live with the old oil. We don't need new oil. And what happened? They were virgins. Virgins means they were children of God. But they were called foolish virgins. There are three things that you can do with your life. There are three things that can, you can do with your life. Number one, you can spend your life. Number one, spend it. Number two, you can waste it. Number three, you can invest it. You can spend it, waste it, invest it. In spending, you can spend your life trying to acquire a lot of fame, pleasure. You can enjoy your life every day with pleasure. In, in wasting it, there are a lot of ways that you can waste your life. And if you want to know, put on your TV. The commercials will show you how you can waste your life, how you can waste your money, how you can waste your time. Women, be careful when commercials come. 
They will give you every time a new product. That poor man is working very hard and coming home. And you say, honey, only that day you will call him honey. And you wonder why this woman is calling me honey. No coffee. And only that day coffee will be put with one sweet also. Where the doctor told you must not eat sweet. One sweet also is put. Why? The commercial was already on. This cream, you know, that they were talking about. Sister was using it. And it, there's a lot of difference, uh, honey. And honey will never know from where that is coming from. And then we have to do, do some shopping. And purposely you'll push that cart only in that lane. He will say, you carry on there. I will come. No, no, the cart is too heavy. Can you come this way, please? And then you say, this is the product I, I spoke to you the other day. You remember? This is the same product. And that poor man, because he loves you with all his heart, he said, do you want that? <laughs> what do you want tomorrow for food? We'll make biryani tomorrow. Don't worry. Be careful. Husbands, if you got any TV that shuts off commercials, do it. Or you stay, start as a TV. When commercials come, you put the cloth down and say, Honey, you go to the toilet and come. <laughs> Let the commercial finish and then we can watch the, uh, the, the, the program, whatever we are watching. You can invest it. Number three, the best way to, to do with your life is invest it where it will outlast everything else. Amen? Remember the story Jesus told about a talent. One man received one talent, the second received five, the third received ten. And we know the story has been spoken continuously over here. We see that the third man did nothing. And you know what Jesus called that man who did nothing? I quoted that scripture earlier. He called him, you wicked servant. You know why? For doing nothing. Can you imagine? Sitting, I, I have been warning all, everyone who crosses experiencing God. And I've been telling it from this pulpit. If you are sitting in the church for the last five years, and if you tell, Brother Claudia, I've been here ten years, and what are you doing? Nothing! You are sinning. How many years are you a Christian? Just 25 years yesterday. And which ministry, brother? Ah, we are in this new ministry. What is that? Which ministry? It's called nothing ministry, brother. We do nothing. When you preach, we wait to condemn you. When you preach, we wait to ask you questions. I'll say, we do nothing else. Are you in that ministry of doing nothing? Wake up today! Wake up! Because the Bible says it is sin to do nothing in the house of God. And I will direct you to start one place. Go to intercession. Every Saturday, go there and do something. The one talent that you have, do it. Whatever you intend to do today, do it now. Amen? Not next week. Not next year. Not when your baby is grown 25 and then you think of coming to the ministry, already one leg is in the grave. Someone has to drag you out of the grave to do ministry. Thinking about witnessing to somebody, are you thinking of witnessing to somebody and the Holy Spirit has been showing that, do it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Are you thinking of getting involved in Bible study? Do it today. Are you thinking of completing your lessons? Do it today. Don't do it tomorrow. Are you waiting to start to tithe because you have heard it twice, thrice? Do it today. Before you can go out of that room. 
go, the bags are there, and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I have not tithed for a long time. I'm going to get right with you today. Don't say when you get your next salary, it may not be happening also. Thinking of getting involved in a ministry, do it today. Find the man. Tell him, I want to involve myself in the ministry. Can you enroll my name, please? Do your giving while you are living. Do your ministry while you are living. I can't pull you out from the coffin and say, start your ministry now. You have been cooking very nice food for your husband. Stop it. He can take care of himself. Get involved in the ministry. No, my husband will come. If the food is not on the table, then gone for me. He will pack me back to India. No, he won't. God will pack him if he wants to pack you. And God will keep you. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Amen. I want to show you what something. Let us look at, we see uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I don't know the exact scripture verse. I think it's somewhere in verse 17. It says, right now God is ready to welcome you. I think it's in 2 Corinthians 6. It says, right now God is ready to welcome you. Today He is ready to save you. Luke chapter 12. Jesus told the story. Of what James is also teaching us now. He tells the story about a man was very successful in his life. This man had everything, but he made very foolish decisions. Number one, the three mistakes he made. He planned without God. He assumed about tomorrow. He put off doing good today. Look at verse 16 to 20. 16 to 20, Luke chapter 12, which says, Jesus told them a parable. Yes, brother. And he told them this parable. Mm. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Mm. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, mm. You fool! That. This very night, mm. your life will be demanded from you. This very night. This very night. You fool! What a harsh word for God to say. And we call God our Heavenly Father. And God says, you fool. You know why? This man was about I. About me. About myself. It was only about him. Brethren, I invite you this afternoon. If you have not given your life to Christ... Don't put it off for tomorrow. If you have not committed to serve God, don't wait for another message. The message itself is full enough for you to give your life to Christ. The Bible says right now God is ready to welcome you. It says right now you can give your life to God, not tomorrow. You remember the, the story when Paul, when he was in, as a prisoner and he was in front of King Felix in the northern kingdom. Paul spoke to Felix. I want to paraphrase what he says. He says, Felix, God has a plan for you. God wants to use you. God wants to work in your life. That's what Paul was trying to tell Felix. And today, God is telling us the same thing. You are not here by accident. 
You are not here by accident. I want you to tell your neighbor that you are not here by accident. God has a plan for you. You are not come into this world to occupy space, to go to work, to eat dosa in the morning, eat biryani in the evening, sit down in the evening, watch TV, retire and then die. You are not here for that. You are here for something more than that. We are here for something more than all these things. Now I want you to look at what Felix tells Paul. When you go home, read the scripture. I want to paraphrase that. Felix tells Paul now, Paul, it's very interesting what you have just spoken. In fact, I like all these things, but why don't you go and come back another day? You remember reading that? You go and come back another day, we will discuss more. Do you know Felix never got an opportunity again? One chance. One chance was given to him. And Felix bypassed that chance and said, Paul, go back, buddy. We will talk another day. Today will be your chance. Don't bypass it. Don't push it away. Please, I beg you in the name of Jesus, if the Lord has spoken to you today, don't push it away. Have you talked to God about your retirement? How many of you, uh, don't misunderstand me, I'll put my hand up first. How many of you are above the age of 50? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Have you talked about God about your retirement? Or are you only spoken to your wife about your retirement? Have you involved God about it? Have you just thought that you will do it any way you like? And you said, I will do this, this, this. Have you talked to God about going back to college, all the youth? Have you talked to God? God, I need to go back. I need to complete this which I started. God, I want to get back. I want to get that degree with which I started. Can you help me, God, to do that one more time? Have you talked to God about getting married? Have you spoken to God? I was talking to somebody the other day and he says, Okay, I've, spoke, I've not spoken to God, but I'm waiting for, for one particular person to come. Only when that person comes, I will get married. And I've asked God to bless that only. He only wants this and he wants God to bless. But God says, I have a different plan for you. He said, No, 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 no. I want according to my category. Then only we can walk together. God says, But I have kept a woman after my own heart for you. We don't want your heart and all that. You give me what after my own heart. Why your heart, God? I also have a heart. Have you talked to God about your divorce? Wow. Brother Claudia, what are you talking? Do you know how many wives, when they fight to their husband, they say, I want to leave you. I'm going back home. We cannot live anymore. But have you gone to God before that, before you saying that word, I want to divorce you and say, God, this wrong thoughts are coming into my mind. They are not supposed to come into my mind. Can you rectify my mind that I will never say this word? The moment a fight comes, let us get divorced. No God. God is not in it. You don't even go back to the day when you made your vows. Have you talked to God about remaining single? No brother, I want to be single. God says, I have a partner for you. know, Lord God, you keep the partner. I will go single. I can serve you better, you know that God. If this woman comes along, she drags me behind. She will never let me walk with you. She will drag me by. She will be just like Eve, you know that? And I don't want to sin. Please, I want to be single. God says, single is not for you. You will burn with passion. You will destroy someone else's life. 
So have you spoken to God about that? God is interested about your future. Can I hear an amen? amen? Have you talked to God about your business? Have you talked about to God about your career change? You want to change your career. The package will look good. Don't look at the package. First go to God and say, Lord, the package looks good, but first I want to seek you. Because you have to be where God's blessings are. Don't look at packages. If God's anointing is not there, you will live with that package only, but you will not, He will not go with you in that package. James says, you got your life planned out. You are running, some people are running at the speed of 100 miles to bring in money for their family. And you know the sad part? When they bring that money after running the 100 miles, there is no relationship left after that. The wife has waited too long for the husband running to bring money. And he loses his relationship. I want to close with the last question. If you had one week left from today onwards, the angel appeared to you tonight, and the angel said, you have one week. What will be your response in this one week? What will you do with your husband? What will you do with your wife? What will you do with your ministry? What will you do with your job? What will you do with your plans? If you had, and this is your last week on the face of the earth, what will be your plans? The Bible says it should be as one day at a time. The Bible says we sang that song earlier, Be holy, for I am holy. I want you to ask God today, God, I want to live a holy life. Only when I learn to live a holy life can I surrender all my plans, my futures into your hand. If you don't live a holy life, you'll never know what God is having in store for you. You will never know. Amen? Can we bow our heads? <clears throat> Shall we stand to our feet as we close this service? And as we just think about what God has spoken to us regarding our todays and our tomorrows. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Talk to God. If God has ministered to you this afternoon, if God has told you that you need to change the way of your thinking, you've got wrong ideas, you've got wrong plans, you're working it out the wrong way, just come to me, that's what the Lord says. Talk to him this day. Remember, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a present. It's a gift from God. Take the gift which God gives you. That's today. Live with God. Live for God. And let your life be run by God. Father, we thank you, Lord. The Father God, once again, you have spoken to us, Lord. Practical living, Lord Father. Not build castles in the air, Lord Father. But just to remember 
that our tomorrows are safe when you are with us today, Lord Father. Father God, help us to remember, Lord Father, that we are nothing by ourselves. And we can do nothing about our tomorrows by ourselves. Father God, thank you, Lord Father, for ministering to us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that every one of us this afternoon, Lord Father, will commit, Lord Father, that we shall accept you to be with us all the time, Lord Father. And that our tomorrows are safe in your hands, Lord Father. We thank you, we praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for, for the servant you have used this afternoon, Lord Father. For speaking to us through him, Lord Father. Father God, we ask, Lord, that more anointing be poured upon him, Lord Father. Even as he continues to teach us from your word, we pray, Lord, that you will minister to him and he will minister to us, Lord. We ask, Lord, that your blessing be upon his family, Lord Father. We thank you, we praise you. We ask, Lord Father, that you will be with us the rest of the day, Lord Father. Every task that needs to be done, we ask, Lord Father God, that we will first commit it into your hands and then take a step. We give all praise, honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.